This morning, our passage is going to be um, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to, the, the bulletin says verse 4, but we're actually going to read starting verse 1. So, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that, you, that it may be well for you, that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the joys of my life these last few years, starting kind of right around the end of COVID, right when, we, when we kind of reopened after COVID, is a, a Sunday school class that Holly and I teach. Uh, Holly and I teach a class of, uh, of kind of our young couples in the church, and it has been just a wonderful, wonderful experience for me and Holly. We have loved developing new friendships and new relationships with members of this, of this class. We've loved seeing these members of the class develop relationships in the group itself and become faithful in worship and service in so many ways. And it's been, it's been such, it, it truly, it has been in some hard times, literally the most fun I've had in ministry these last few years. And it, 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 sometimes we have very, well, no, I'm not even going to lie to you. We very rarely have structured lesson, lessons. Right now, we're digging a little bit deeper on, the, um, on the, our morning passages. So we're looking deeper at what we're talking about every Sunday. But a lot of times, it involves just a lot of conversation, a lot of laughter. It, it, we have a lesson, but we really develop relationships there. But we talk about marriage. We talk about children and, and, and parenting. And we're in this series now where we're kind of walking through Ephesians, starting with verse 21 through, the end of, through most of chapter 6, where Paul gives us some advice for these key relationships in our lives. Husband, wife, mother, father, children. So every week our lessons kind of revolve around that. And one of the things that we laugh about is when you become a parent, something inside your brain breaks. I'll tell you what I mean by this. If you're a parent, you've been here. If you're a grandparent, you've probably been here. This is how you know there's something broke inside your brain if you're a parent. You're sitting there with your toddler at a restaurant. First off, that's a bad idea. But second, you're with your toddler. And little, little Susie, she's had a little bit too much to eat, maybe they put some milk on her belly. And what does she do? She spits up. This is how you know something's broke inside your brain. What is your first impulse as a parent? You try to catch it. You know you do. You've been there. I've been there. We've all been there. And that is not normal behavior. No one in their right mind tries to catch spit up. But I've done it. And I don't even like bodily fluids, and I've tried to do it. And it's gross, but you just can't help yourself because there's something broke inside your brain when you're a parent. We talk about those kind of things in class. And, you know, it, 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 there's something about being a parent. One of the, the tenets of United Methodist theo theology is the Wesleyan Crodger Ladder, which talks about how we reflect upon Scripture. And one of the things that we can use to understand Scripture better is our human experience. And so, like for me, for Andy Stoddard, I never understood God's love fully and deeply till I became a parent. 
And then I realized there's nothing my kids could ever do to make me stop loving them. Not nothing. Not, not a single thing. And then as the Bible says, if you who are sinful know how to give, give, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more does your perfect Heavenly Father know how to give you good gifts? So if my broken self could love somebody like I love my kids, golly, how much more does God love us? So, you know, we talk about those kind of things. In our series right now, we're talking about these key relationships. We started off on verse 21 of chapter 5. Verse 21 is the Rosetta Stone for understanding all Paul's saying here. Because Paul says here in verse 21, he says, be subject to one another out of reverence to Christ. So in other words, be mutually submitted to each other. And so we see that with every key relationship that Paul talks about moving forward. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. So do you see there? Not one lording over the other, but this concept of beautiful mutual submission. But then we go deeper. Two weeks ago, we talked about parents. That's why I wanted to read that passage where it says, I'm sorry, with children. It says, children, honor your father and your mother. Obey your parents. And he, he references the Ten Commandments. And we see there this notion that children also submit humble themselves within the role of the family. Today we see fathers and mothers, of course. Don't provoke your children, but teach and instruct them. So we see in this, we see parents honoring their children. I, I love the notion about children obeying your parents and the reference to the Ten Commandments. Love the Ten Commandments. One of the, one of the um, some of the great biblical wisdom on the Ten Commandments, particularly the command to honor your father and mother, the, the, the scholars will say that's actually a command to honor life because you can't exist without your mother and father. Your mother and father are why you have life. So if your parents were good or bad, wonderful or terrible, doesn't really matter. You're supposed to honor them because of their very presence that resulted in you having life. To love them and honor them. That's, that's one of the beautiful things about the Ten Commandments. I love that. The Ten Commandments are so cool. Um, you can take all the Old Testament, all the law, and distill it down. And if you know you, what you, you get when you distill all the law down, Ten Commandments. But let's turn that, 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 let's turn that uh, torch up a little bit more. Let's distill the Ten Commandments down. You know what happens when you distill the Ten Commandments down? You know what you get there? Love a God and love a neighbor. What did Jesus say the greatest commandment was? To love God, love neighbor. Well, if you love your God, you're going to worship your God. If you love your God, you're going to keep his name holy. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to murder your neighbor. So you distill the Bible down to the Ten Commandments. Then you can still distill the Ten Commandments down to love a God, love a neighbor. And likewise, it works the other way. You can go back up. Well, how do I know how to love God, love neighbor? Ten Commandments are a good start. Then you can build back up. So we see this command with families to honor God. I'm sorry, to honor your parents, to love your parents, is in many ways about honoring God, honoring life, and loving what God has given us. So we see that call for children. But we see it with parents today where it says parents. Discipline your children. Do not provoke your children to anger. I, lo I love the difference between discipline and punish. 
I know one of the things I tried my best to do with my kids were younger. I did my very best to never discipline my children when I was angry. Because the Bible says here, discipline to that ideal. Instruct them in the Lord. I wanted any disciplining to be done in a positive way to push them to what, what they're supposed to be and who they're called to be. I didn't want to punish them because they didn't meet my standard or because I was mad. I never wanted them to mistake disciplining with my anger. So I worked very hard to never discipline when I was angry. But I wanted to push them to a higher standard, to a higher call, to what God has called them to do. Now, I think that's what it's talking about here when it says, do not provoke. Do not provoke. And that's hard, y'all. Isn't it hard? Isn't it hard not to provoke? I tell young couples when I do premarital counseling, you know, I've shared with you before, the three areas you're going to have conflict over, what I call three Fs, family, faith, finances. And with family, let's be honest, not provoking. You know the tone of voice to make your spouse mad, don't you? You do. You know the eye roll. You know the statement. You know how to push their buttons, don't you? Of course you do. You're married to them. You know their fears, their weaknesses, their inadequacies. In a fight, don't go there. You may win the fight, but you'll do long-term damage to the relationship. Don't provoke. Don't provoke your spouse. Don't provoke your children. Don't provoke your parents. But love them. Mutually submit to them. See, that's the thing that is, is, is every person, me, Holly, Sarah Thomas, the family doesn't exist for me or for Holly or for Sarah or for Thomas. The family exists for the ideal that God has for the family. Because in the Bible, what was the first institution God made? Not the church, not the government, not your favorite baseball team, family. That was the first institution God made was family. So all of us have a part to play in the family, but the family does not exist for me or for them. That's why Paul talks about mutual submission, y'all. It's not just submitting to each other, but in many ways, it's about submitting to the ideal, to the goal, to the covenant we have as a family. For all of us, submitting to the shared goal and purpose of a family. That's what it's about, this mutual submission. Submitting ourselves ultimately as a family and as individuals to Christ Jesus and to his purpose. So don't provoke your children to anger. Don't. And you know what? That sounds easy here in the safety of a sanctuary. But some of y'all are going to go outside and get in your car, and it's going to get ugly, and you're going to be driving down Old Cannon, and you're going to take your flip-flop off, and you're going to whoop that kid. And the bogus shit of redneck's going to come out in you. You know why? Because it's happened to me. One time my kids were little, I found myself... On Highway 78, outside of Tupelo, after somebody sassed their mama when they were told not to sass their mama. And I went full redneck, flip-flop off, beating my young on the side of the highway, and I thought, didn't have this in the bingo game. So. 
So give yourself grace, friends. Give yourself grace. Because you're going to get it wrong. And you're going to get angry. And you're going to provoke each other. And you're going to say things you regret. Give yourself grace. Because the key in all this, y'all, is to stay deeply rooted in Christ. That's the key, is to stay deeply rooted in Christ. That's why the daily reflection I text out every morning is entitled Rooted. The devotion that I text out, that I email out, that I share on Facebook, it's about being rooted in Christ because that's the point. And that's how we do that. That's how we mutually submit to each other. That's how husbands and wives and parents and kids submit themselves to the goals and the ideals of the family itself. That's how we keep from lording over each other. That's how we keep from provoking each other. It's to stay in our hearts and our lives deeply rooted in Christ through Scripture, through worship, through service, through the means of grace, through the sacraments, through these things. When we stay rooted in Christ then we can lovingly submit as husbands and wives to each other. Then we as children can obey our parents, honor our parents, even when it's hard. And then we as parents can seek not to punish our children out of anger, but to discipline them to their greater calling in Christ Jesus. When we stay rooted in Christ, then that's how that works. That's what verse 21 is about. Mutually submit to one another. But in closing, I'm tired, y'all. It's been a hard few weeks, hasn't it? been a hard few weeks. Be honest with you. Shepherding this church through COVID and now through this is a task that I don't really feel up to sometimes. It's been a hard few weeks, hasn't it? Words have been said Emotions have flared. Anger has welled up. And it's been really hard. It's very easy. It's very easy for us to attempt to paper over our differences. That's not right, though, is it? Because there are deep and real differences in our church right now. We can pretend like there aren't, but there are. There are. Many of us feel very passionately and feel very strongly about the issues that our church is discerning through right now. And sometimes in the midst of that, it can be very hard. I shared something yesterday from John Wesley that I loved about elections in England. 
He said each of the members of the society should vote for the candidate they think that is best. Make sure to not speak evil against the other candidate and to not harden their hearts towards those who vote differently. We have different opinions, different thoughts, different beliefs, and it hurts. It does. And pretending like it doesn't hurt just covers up the wound and doesn't allow healing. I've said from day one in this process, my desire is not, I'm not focusing on a result. Focusing on a process. I asked my mama one day. We were talking about my biological father, whom many of you know, murdered my mother. And I asked my mom, my, bio, my grandmother who raised me, I said, do you hate him? Talk, talk about my biological father who did this. I said, do you hate him? She said, no, Andy. The only way he wins is if, if I hate him. The devil, doesn't win. the devil doesn't win if we have disagreements, no matter how sharp they may be. The devil doesn't win if we share different beliefs or perspectives or thoughts or deeply held convictions. The devil doesn't win then. The devil only wins when we hate each other. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And our job is to follow the path of Christ. I know it's hard. And I know it's heavy. And as Frodo once said, I wish this had not come to me. And as in Gandalf replied, so do all who find themselves in this place. But the way the devil wins is when we hate each other. I love you. I've been serving the United Methodist Church for 24 years. Is that right? Yeah, 24. I'll do the math real quick. Being the lead pastor at St. Matthew's United Methodist Church is the highest honor that I know. I love you. All of you. No matter what you believe, no matter what you think we should do, no matter how you vote, I love you. And until you tell me you're not, I'm going to be your pastor. And I'm going to love you. The way the devil wins is when our love grows cold and we allow our differences and even our strongly held beliefs to break the bond of love. One of my mentors told me this story from his first, from when I was in my first church. He served a very prominent church in our conference. And because this was a prominent church, it had a number of politicians that were part of it. And there were two politicians in his church who were on the exact opposite 
of every potential issue. Politically, financially, morally, you name it, they were the exact opposite of each other in every way. They could not disagree more strongly politically. Plus, they didn't like each other either. So we can't just say it's political. No, it's personal. They didn't like each other. And yet there they were, stuck in the same church. And my mentor says there came a time like this when they came to communion. And he was behind the altar doing the invocation. And said during the time of communion, he looked down at the altar. And who did he find kneeling beside each other at the communion rail? But those two politicians who couldn't stand each other. They were, st- they were kneeling together, drinking from the same cup, receiving the same sacrament, worshiping the same Lord. In just a matter of moments, you're going to come take communion. And you're going to be standing beside people who may have voted like you, who may not have, who may feel like you, or who may not, who may not feel like you who may share your convictions, or who may not. The devil only wins when we give in to hate. As the body of Christ, may we faithfully follow the path of Christ, and may we love each other, even, perhaps, most especially, when it's the hardest. I love you. I love all of you. And I'm proud to be your pastor. Let's pray.